part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruiz. You see us each this morning or you see us straight to our hearts. You see us wholly and completely for what we are, Lord, even, even if we try and hide it from ourselves. You see us. You know us. You shaped us and you formed us even in our mother's womb. Lord, you know us. Not just our name, but you know you know us deeply and wholly. But the good news is you love us still. You love us still. And for those among the bride of Christ, Lord, your, your love is beyond our, our comprehension. And we, the bride of Christ, we gather in this place each, each week, Lord, we, we, we huddle with the other members of the body of Christ, the complete bride, and, and, and we, we gather, Lord, we pull away from our, our neighborhoods, our communities, our jobs, our own families, Lord, we, and we gather with this family and we beseech you, Lord, to have your way this morning in the hearts of men, in the hearts of women, in the hearts of children, would you have your way? You know us. So Lord, we hide nothing from you this morning and we sit, we sit bare before you. We wave the white flag. We surrender to your love for us. Through your word this morning, would you call us to obedience? In Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone, amen. Amen. Why don't you be seated? Ephesians chapter 4, we're in 17 through 24 today, and this is not a hard text. This is not a confusing text. This is not a difficult text to interpret. It's pretty plain. It's pretty simple. And sometimes that makes it hard to preach. Because it's just straightforward and I could really just read it to you almost and you would get the gist of what Paul is trying to say. It's kind of a synopsis of what he said in many other places in his writings. He's told us at the beginning of chapter 4 that we have a responsibility now based on what God has done for us. He calls us to walk worthy of the calling of the faith. What does that mean? That means that our life very simply balances the goodness of God. He's been this good to us. We should walk out our life in these ways. And the first place he went was that we walk out our life unified with the brethren. If we're going to walk this thing out, the first step is walk in unity, church. Walk in unity. And we spent a bunch of time in chapter 4, 1 through 16, talking about what it means to be unified and how we get there, how we preserve the unity and humbleness and kindness, et cetera, et cetera. Putting others before us, giving the benefit of the doubt. Step One to walking in a manner worthy of our calling is getting along with each other right here in the body. Now, Paul's going to turn to the world and say, but we got to walk in an opposite direction of what's going on out there. And that's it. That's this next section. We walk in unity with one another, but we walk in in a direction that's not the course of this world. 
Now, to walk, the, the picture of to walk means it's, it's to live out our life. Maybe, maybe you've missed that. Maybe you're not catching on. He's not meaning to literally walk. It's not about how you walk literally, right? You get that. It's about how your life looks. How are you walking out your Christianity now? What is the course, the path, the pattern of your life to look like? He's going to tell us it's not supposed to look like this. What's going on out there? Follow with me. Verse 17. So this I, Paul, say and affirm together with the Lord. That's his authority from the Lord. That you walk now, here's step two of the walk, no longer as the Gentiles also walk. Now let me just say this at the beginning. Paul's writing mostly to Gentiles here at the church at Ephesus. So when he says, don't walk like a Gentile, he's saying, don't, don't walk like you're accustomed to walking. Don't live your life out in the way you've been living it out all these years. Now, that's a, that, that, would be, that would be a blow to them. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a wave right in the face, if not a punch in the face. Listen, the way you've been living, you can't live that way anymore. And he's going to tell us why that way doesn't work. Um, he's going to spend about three verses here summarizing humanity in a way that took a guy named Edward Gibbon about 10 volumes. You ever heard of a guy named Edward Gibbon? He wrote a, um, he wrote a, a multi-volume called The Rise and the Fall of the Roman Empire. And it was specifically about the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire, but as a historian, he was able to mark some of the things that would lead any great empire, culture, nation to their pinnacle and to their demise. And it took him about 10 volumes. I looked at it this morning on eBay. You can, you can get the 10 volumes for about $2,700. Paul's going to say it in about three verses. But listen, listen to the wisdom that this historian found as he marked the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire. He says, all great empires follow this same track, all right? And I'm going to condense 10 volumes right here for these steps. Step one is that they find themselves at some point as a people of bondage. At the beginning of any great empire, nation, culture, you find a people that find themselves in bondage. And then he says what you most often find is that they're called by some great spiritual faithfulness to remove themselves from that bondage. The next step is that they find great courage to do that. Once they find that great courage, you see this this great liberty pour out over the people. Now, with great liberty comes great success and great abundance. Shortly behind great success and abundance, you find tendency towards selfishness, and now worldliness. Does that happen? And then what you find in the next phase of the empire will be an attitude of complacency, followed by now apathy. And then we turn and he says, you'll find a culture depending on a higher group of government to fix everything that they've become complacent and apathetic about in their selfish and worldliness because they had such great success and abundance. And with no one to govern those who govern, guess what happens? He says they find themselves right back now in bondage. And if you were to look historically, that happens in Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Rome. Uh, I will not say that it is the track that America is on. 
But you've got to find yourself as a Christian sometimes, don't you? Just wondering what in the world is going on. You know, the old saying, when you look around, we're going to hell in a handbasket here, seems to be quite literal these days. And at some point, as you get older and older, you, you start to sound like the old guys in the generations before you, right? Complaining about those who were in the generation before you compromising. Back in our day, we didn't do that. Kids these days, right? That, that's the line. Kids these days. And it just seems to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Maybe you've, maybe you've felt the weight, the burden of the evil of our day. Um, I was um, listening to uh, the radio this week in the car. And uh, it was one of the popular morning shows in our city. And uh, it was the same day, uh, the day, the morning after the Colorado shootings in the movie theater. And the uh, the guy who is the uh, DJ for this radio station, he's never at a loss for opinion. And uh, not a believer, I, I would I would say. And uh, he usually has an opinion about something and always ready to give out advice. But he was just stumped on this morning. And I, when I turned it on, you could tell that they had been talking about um, Colorado and talking about a whole lot of other things that have just gone horribly wrong in our world, not just in America. And he was just depressed. <laughs> he, was just, he was just ready to throw his hands up and be done. He said, let's change the tone this morning. Before we're done, he said, let's just get away from the bad news, right? He said, I've been watching way too much news, reading way too many newspapers, and it's all just bad news. He said, I just need people to call in and give us some good news. Who's getting married this week? Who's going who's gonna to reunite with a, with a lost family member? Who's going to do something positive? And they just kept talking and talking and talking, and it took forever for anybody to call in. And in the midst of this, I, it just hit me. This guy was just lost. He says, where, where is the goodness in the world? He said, I, I'm, I'm starting to think that people aren't very good. And I thought, Eureka, where have you been? I mean, you're just now recognizing that? Ephesus and the Roman Empire surrounding it was rotting from the inside out when Paul wrote this letter. It was rotting from the inside out. It was stinking. It was said by one historian that every mile you could find a bar or a brothel in Rome. Um, To be fair, Rome was probably uh, much further gone than anything you can imagine in our culture. Even if you go to the worst inner city, whatever you can imagine is the worst place here in America. Rome was far surpassing it. It was a bad, rotten, stinking place. Augustine would come along in the 4th century when, um, when Rome would finally be at the point of falling. He would write a book called The City of God, and he would say something that was pretty interesting. Essentially, he would say that Christians are going to be able to hold on. They're going to make it. And the reasoning he gave that Christians would make it is because they don't listen to Rome. He says, we listen to something higher. We take a higher road. We obey the laws not of Rome. We obey the laws of the city of God, kingdom of God. We have a higher calling. We have a higher road to take. That's essentially where Paul's going here in this section of Ephesians 4. We live in a rotten, stinking world. It's not getting any better. Christians, you got to walk worthy, even amidst this. With each other, you got to walk in unity. When you go out there, when you leave this place, it's going gonna, it's gonna to seem wonderful in here. When you get out there, it's going gonna, 
it's going to get ugly maybe. There's evil wreaking havoc out there. How, how do you live? How do you live? Well, you don't walk in a manner that is the pattern of the Gentiles. Don't walk literally like the nations walk. You have a different stride about you. You have a different pace. You have a different step. We walk in step with the city of God. Look at what he does here. Ephesians 4, 17. What does it mean to walk like the nations? Because it hasn't worked out very well. And historically, we know this, that if we are left to our own self, we end up back in bondage. Is that right? We end up back in bondage. So watch what he does here. He's going he's gonna, to, in three verses, he's going to tell you what a culture looks like when it's left to its own, own wisdom than if left to its own demise. I say this to you and affirm together with the Lord that you are to walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. And here's how they walk. In the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluding from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greed. Doesn't sound very good. Just a reminder, that was their way of walking up to this point. It was your way of walking until you came to Christ. It was my way of walking. And so it's not Paul putting them, putting them on a higher level because of their innate goodness. He's saying here, based on our calling, based on what God has done for us, we, we can't walk in a pattern that matches the world anymore. We have to walk in a different direction. But just to be clear, let's remember the direction that they're going. The direction they're going is surmised in these words. They walk in a way that is futile. The word futile could also be translated empty, worthless, or just a bleak failure. That's the direction that our world is going. That's the direction that you and I were going when we weren't in Christ. We were walking in a direction that was going to be empty, worthless, and in the end, it was going to fail. Is that right? When we're left to our own, that we just walk around in a futile direction. The ways of man are a proven failure. Why? Because the standard comes from within. We make it up as we go. The standard is ourselves, and it's a futile, it's a futile direction. Not only that, we walk in the futility of our mind because we are darkened in our understanding. To be darkened in our understanding essentially is a picture of a blind man or someone that is in the dark and can't see. But what do you do if you're blind or if you are walking around your house and all the lights have gone out? You're putting your hands out in front of you. You're using a cane out in front of you to find some point of reference. You've got to find something that's sure. There's my lazy boy. I know where I am. And then you stub your toe in the autumn and, and you know exactly where you are, right? You're looking for a reference point. To be in the dark means you don't know where anything is. You don't have anything sure to lean upon, to take a step. That's the picture that you and I came out of. That's the world that we lived in. That's the world that we still live in. That's the direction of the Gentile, the nations, the world. We don't walk that way anymore. What is he saying? We're not futile in our thinking. Why? Because we're not dark in our minds. Those guys out there, unfortunately, they're still in darkness. And what are they doing? They're doing this. They're searching for something sure. They're looking for a reference point. 
something they can grab hold of and know where they are. But when you're in darkness, you never can be sure, can you? You think things are further away, and now you find out they're real close. You think they're close, and you find out you're far away. That's the picture Paul paints here. Left to our own self, we are in darkness. We have no reference point. John would say that Satan has deceived the nations. Paul would say the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbelieving. Humanity, if you want to think about humanity, without God is just pinging in the darkness. You know how a submarine sends out that ping in the darkness? They're blind. You know there's no windshield on a submarine? I don't know if you ever thought about that. They have to send out this sonar, and they ping, and they hope to bounce off something sure so that it comes back and they know there's a rock there. We don't want to go that way. There's a ship there. We want to run from that guy. They send out ping. That, that's the idea that Paul's giving here, that they're just pinging in the darkness, hoping to hit something sure so that they know where something is. But the truth is, they're walking in darkness and it's futility. Not only that, they're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because they're in darkness, because they're ignorant to truth, guess what? They are, in Paul's words, excluded from the life of God. They have no reference point. Without God who is truth, who establishes truth, without Genesis 1.1, being your foundation, that in the beginning, God, without that as your solid foundation or reference point, guess what? You're just searching in darkness. To be excluded from God means that you have no sure stance. You have no reference point. You have no rock to stand upon. That's the picture of the world. Feudal, in darkness, with no reference point. They're excluded from the life of God. You know what that also means? It also means that they have no meaning. Apart from God and apart from that sure truth to base life upon, to reference point your life upon, you have no real truth. Here's how it works. You're, you're searching in the darkness. Without God, without that reference point, you're searching in the darkness to find out where, where does man come from? Where are we going? How am I to live as a man? How am I to live as a woman? How are we to raise children? How am I to do this marriage thing? You got no reference point. Without God telling you what the truth is, we have no reference point for these things. Where are we going when we die? Is the world pinging for these things in the darkness? They are. Do they want the answers to things? They sure do. Are they finding the answers? No. No sure word comes apart from God. You go into a, a psychologist's office or office of a, a professor of philosophy, what you're going to find are bookshelves full of men and women who have given their opinion on what truth is. And this bookshelf is always going to argue with this bookshelf. We've got to be careful that we're not impressed by the myriad of books that, man, this guy, he, he's wise. He knows what he's talking about. Always remember that those books, this guy disagrees with the next guy, and he improves upon this guy. There is no sure word. We walk as humans on our own in futility. We're pinging in the darkness and we're excluded from God without him as our reference point, that sure rock to stand upon. We don't really know what marriage is. We don't really know what manhood is. We don't really know how to raise our kids. We don't really know what it means to be in unity. We don't really know what love is, do we? Apart from God telling us what love is, being that he is love himself. We need him as that reference point. So the world, futile, 
darkened, excluded, ignorant. He says that ignorance dwells in them. An ignorance of real and final truth. It's not in them and they don't like it when they're exposed to it. Is that right? It's kind of like when you're in darkness for a long time and somebody shines a flashlight in your eyes. That's not always real pleasant. You know, the further we go in life, the the further we walk in the darkness, the more difficult it is for us to, to bear the light. Statistics show that once children get past a certain age, once we reach our 20s and then our 30s, it gets more and more difficult for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? We get set in our ways. We love the darkness, the Bible says. In the lies that we've believed, the reference points that we've found, as shaky as they may be, we become dependent upon them. Uh, one pastor I know, the guy who taught me the Bible, he says that the place he hates to get invited to to preach are old folks' homes. I thought, why? They're sweet, sweet old folks. Amen, yeah. This good old folk, why, why wouldn't you honor? He said, well, you think that. He said, half of them, sometimes, if you're lucky, the majority of them, they're good old Christian folks back from a, from, a, from a church somewhere that taught the word and they're amening you and they're moral people, right? Back from the good old days. He says, but what you also find is you find these old guys who never came to Christ and year after year after year, they've just hardened their heart, hardened their heart. And they've become more what Paul's going to call here in just a moment, calloused to the truth. And he says, I can't, I can't preach to those guys. He says, like banging your head on a wall. There's no truth. Uh, maybe you think about it this way. To be ignorant is, in a sense, uh, in an audio-video sense, if you're in a room and they say you have a dead spot in the room, that means that the sound isn't reaching that place in the room. Spiritually speaking, without Christ, without grace, we all have this dead spot spiritually in us. And no matter how much the truth is sent out, the truth doesn't reach that dead spot. We all spiritually have a dead spot within us apart from Christ. That, that's the picture of the world. Futile, in the dark, excluded from God, walking in ignorance. Here's why. It's because of the hardness of our hearts. The hardness of our hearts. End of verse 18. What does it mean to be hard of heart? Could be translated stiff-necked. They don't like the idea that they're sinful in need of grace. We didn't like the idea that we were sinful in need of grace. We reject that light. There's a dead spot in us spiritually. Sounds of truth don't reach there. Um, You know what I found even here at Cornerstone? being a church that tries to teach the Bible, tries to teach the, the truth. Uh, there are people who come to Cornerstone and they'll last three months, maybe six months. But as we keep teaching the truth, if, if they're not a person who's in Christ, if they've not come to Christ, if they're not receptive to the truth, you know what happens? They end up disappearing. And that's not just true of Cornerstone. That's true of any church that, that teaches the word, that teaches the truth. Why? It's because we don't, We don't want to sit and keep hearing truth if it's not truth to us. We harden our hearts to it. And it may be okay for a little while, but eventually we've got to go find somewhere else to sit. We're not going to sit under truth like that. Verse 19, not only are their hearts hard, but they have become callous. 
Be callous means that we don't feel any pain anymore. We don't have any sensitivity in that area. You've got a callous. There's no more, there's no more sensitivity there in that spot. And that's what happens to us. As we walk in this life, as we separate ourselves from God, as we don't have that reference point, and we're just pinging in this world for anything that might give us a next step, we end up hardening our hearts and to the point where we become callous. And we're that old guy sitting in the retirement home. And we don't want to hear any truth. We don't want any light because we can't, we can't take it. We'd rather remain in darkness. Well, here's how you get hardened. Here's how you end up calloused. Verse 19, it's by the giving over of ourselves to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Does this happen? Does this happen in a culture that rejects God, starts pinging in the darkness for truth here, truth there? We start listening to this ism and that ism, and we never find a sure way. Um, Let me give you another kind of overview of history in isms. In the ancient days, we, uh, we created gods for ourselves. They were basically just amplified men, but we found out that they weren't big enough for us. And so we brought gods much nearer, and Caesar was a god in the time of Paul and Rome. Caesar wasn't big enough. The Greeks tried their own thing. They tried a political unity. They found out that governors couldn't govern themselves. 17th century, we started some down this path of systems of philosophy, philosophies that started in men. That in our darkness, we look for our own way. We try and make sense of it ourselves. And we came up with things like rationalism, empiricism, skepticism, emotionalism, nihilism, existentialism, until you know, it ends up in nothingism. Now, there is no truth. New Ageism, everything is truth. Whatever you say is truth. It's a subjective-ism, right? We can't. Nail truth down on our own. That's the point. We can't come to truth when we have no reference point, when we're excluded from God, when we walk away from Him. So our hearts get hard. We get callous. So what do we do? We do the only thing that we're left to do. We do what feels good. Right? We end up just doing whatever is good for us. That's what he means here, I think. At least in part when he says that we are left now to give ourselves over to the sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. With greediness means that we do it wholeheartedly. We don't just test the waters. At some point, we find ourselves jumping in with both feet. We become a culture that is insatiable. We want what we want, whatever makes us feel good, whatever I think is right, and we want it to a degree that satisfies us. But here's the problem. It never does, does it? None of those isms ever satisfies us. And so we get into these addictive behaviors. But guess what? There's no, there's no satisfaction in them. There's no end in them. And then we end up depressed because we found that there's no satisfaction, even in doing what feels good. And isn't that just depressing? But that's the world we have come out of. That's the world you still have to walk in. And Paul's words to us are, listen, church, We don't walk that way anymore. So the the simple point of the message is this. 
If you find yourself in Christ, but you're still in the pattern of your old life, then, then you're on the wrong path. That's not what it means to be in Christ. And that's what he's going to say here next. Verse 20, you did not learn Christ in this way. That's not what it means to live with Christ in you. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, and we have, we are. Just as the truth is in Jesus. Are we pinging in the darkness, Christians? No. Where do we get truth? We get truth in a person, Jesus Christ. We have a sure foundation in Jesus. How do we walk? We walk now on solid ground. We don't have to search. We're not feeling around blindly. We're not walking in futility. We have an answer to the big questions, don't we? Uh, last week, my mom was here, and she sat through the message, and she she sat through a message about how we need to be kind, we need to be uh, gentle, we need to bear with one another. Uh, this whole list, as we went back to 1 Corinthians 13, on what love is and how we're to walk out the unity of the church in love, she sat through this whole list. We got We got home, and I... Uh, I said something to her about, you know, how she enjoyed church. And she says, well, I feel horrible. And I said, why? She said, because I'm a terrible person. And I, and I knew what she meant. Because going through the list, as she rightly and humbly should, as we all should, we started to see, as the Holy Spirit would reveal, I, I fall short here. And maybe I fall short here. And maybe I haven't been compassionate here. And maybe I haven't given the benefit of the doubt here. And she took her life and she lined it up with 1 Corinthians 13. And she says, does my life match? Am I walking worthy? And she found some places, as I'm sure we all did, where it didn't match. There was no parallel. There was no balance of the calling and her life. God calling us to walk in love and her walking it out in this life. She said, I just feel horrible. Uh... She texts me this week. She says, I can't wait till uh, tomorrow's message. I hope it doesn't make me feel so bad. This morning, I want you to be encouraged. Here's why. Because all this that he's saying about the way we used to walk as Gentiles, it was true of you and I. It doesn't have to be true anymore. Furthermore, the hope is that now that we have the solid rock, we're no longer on shifting sands. Right? We have Christ, the truth. We have that solid rock to stand upon now. And guess what? We have a hope to walk out our life upon. We're not pinging in the darkness any longer. Our life doesn't have to be empty. It doesn't have to be a failure. It doesn't have to be a futile grasp after the next thing that makes us feel good. There's something bigger that we live for now, Christians. We have the answers to the biggest questions. You know what love is, the Word tells you. You know what marriage is. The Word tells you. You know what it means to raise children. The Word tells you. You know what it means to be a man, a woman. You know how you're supposed to respond as a child. You know how you're supposed to respond to the government. You know how you're supposed to be truthful. You know how you're supposed to do in business. You know how you're supposed to live in this world. The Word has given us everything that we need. There's a hymn that we sing sometimes. One of my favorites. The words go like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Not pinging in the darkness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. That's our foundation. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. 
All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face in every... When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. He's a sure foundation. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. That's a picture of this life. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. The good news is, Christian, is that we don't walk anymore according to the path and the pattern of the nations. We have a sure foundation in Christ. That's what we have. Now look where he goes here. He's told us what the world looks like. Look at where he goes here. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard of him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupt in an accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on a new self. You know what the picture is? It's a picture of you taking off a garment. I've heard this my whole Christian life. It's a picture of us taking off the old garment, laying it aside, and putting on a new garment. You know what the problem is very often for Christians? And this just hit me this week, I'll confess to you. that This is not a picture of taking off one garment, laying it aside, and trying on a new garment of Jesus and walking around in it for a while, but leaving this garment in your closet. And too many of us do that. We've exchanged garments, but we still got this garment hanging in our closet or laying at the foot of our bed. And very often that makes it all too easy to put that one right back on, doesn't it? The picture here that Paul is trying to convey is that, Christian, we have a truth. And what we need to do is take this old life and the flesh that calls out to us that still remains, this old carcass that we carry around until we go to glory and he gives us a new body, this body that is called flesh in other parts of Scripture that has habitually walked in the way of the Gentiles, he says we've got to take it off. And we've got to lay it aside, but not not lay it somewhere where you can still reach it. You've got to burn it. You've got to cast it aside. You've got to get rid of it like it doesn't fit anymore. So that it's not easily picked right back up. That's the challenge for us. We have a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice to live in the truth that is now true about us. Or we have a choice to continue to walk in the pattern of this old life. And Paul says, that's not how we walk. Walking in a manner worthy of our calling means that we're unified here, but it also means we go in an opposite direction to that of which we used to walk. And like that old garment, you've got you've to take it off. You've got to lay it aside. Why? Because if you don't, look what's happening. It's being corrupted. It's being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. Sin lies to us. Our flesh cries out to us and it lies to us. It tells us that it's good. It tells us that it's right. It tells us that it's okay. It tells us that it won't hurt us. It won't hurt anybody else. It's that lure. It's that fishing lure, right? You ever wonder why a fish goes after that thing? It's bright and shiny and it flickers and they they bite it anyway, right? They're drawn to it. That's us. That's the lust of deceit. Our flesh in this world, it lies to us. It beckons to us once again and it says, This is still good and this is still right and this is still true. And that's how sin has always worked, right? All the way back to the garden. Surely this is okay. And that's what our flesh still cries out. Paul says we've got to to take that off. We've got to take that old pattern, that old way, like an old garment, and toss it out of our reach 
And at the same time, you've got to put on the truth. You've got to put on that newness. You've got to put on what's true about you. Be renewed in the spirit. Look where it's at. The spirit of your mind. There's an emphasis here, as there has been in all of chapter 4, on the truth. And the truth is in a person, Jesus Christ, and it is written in his word. We have a more sure word. It's a word that the world has been looking for forever. Ezra lived in a time where the nation of Israel had punted, essentially, its God. And now they found themselves in captivity in a culture that looked nothing like what life was supposed to look like. And Ezra had to walk out that life. Ezra chapter 7 Verse 10 says this, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. You know the pattern that Ezra took in his life? It was this, to study the word, but not just to study it, to observe it, be obedient to it, and then to teach it to all those who were in the body. That's the calling for us, church. How do we put on that new garment and renew our minds? It's in truth. Uh, there are several other passages that expand upon this that your mind should be going to. We, Christians, don't walk in darkness. We don't walk in futility. We don't walk in ignorance. We don't walk separated, excluded from the life of God. We find meeting in God. He is our anchor. We didn't learn life this way. Our calling is to the anchor of Jesus Christ and that truth. We take off the old way like an old Rotten, dirty garment, we throw it away. We cast it aside. We put on Christ. We put on truth as a new garment. We renew our minds in truth. The simple point, church, if you don't know the truth, then guess what? You're going to fall back into the pattern of walking in a manner unworthy of the world. Now, I'm hot. Anybody else hot? And I can barely concentrate on anything that's going on right here. Anybody else feel that way? I'm done. And maybe maybe that's good. Don't be discouraged this morning. I think that's my ultimate goal, is that you not be discouraged. You know why? Because um, when Paul wrote this in the rotten state that Rome was in, It was the same context that Jesus Christ came into. It was in the midst of a hopeless culture. In the midst of a a declining and ruining empire that Jesus Christ stepped in and gives great hope. Remember the prodigal son? He was in the worst place and the worst situation that you could find yourself in. But you know what? It wasn't until he was at his wit's end That scripture says he came to himself. He came to himself. One pastor put it this way. That the fires of revival burn best when there's a drought. Hey, don't be discouraged that our world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. It's been going that way generation after generation after generation. My parents uh, freaked out about Madonna. Now we got Lady Gaga, and uh, there'll be somebody else. Don't lose hope. 
If ever there was a time when this world realized where there was a chance for our evangelism to work, maybe it's now. Maybe you have friends and neighbors, family members that are looking around and they're seeing bad news after bad news after bad news. And this this place is just getting worse and it's getting more and more obvious. And we get a Columbine after a Wedgwood, after a Virginia Tech, after a Colorado movie theater. And what's next? And I got to tell you, it, it gets to where it's not even shocking anymore. Kimberly called me. She said, did you hear about the Colorado shooting? I did. And my next thought was, and I, and I wasn't surprised. And that's a shame, isn't it? But if there's ever a chance for us, it's in a drought. Because there's hope, there's good news. And you know what? We've got it. You've got it. You have a solid rock to stand upon. You're not walking in darkness, Christian. You don't have shifting sands below your feet. Walk worthy on solid ground. Go to your Bible. Learn the truth. Renew your mind in the truth. Find out the truth. Find out the answers to the big questions that they're searching for out there. Be ready to give a testimony to the hope that is within you. You have hope. They do not. You were once without hope until Christ revealed himself to your heart. Our job is to walk in a manner worthy. We walk in a different way. Not not in a way that is antagonistic to the world. Okay? Let's be clear on this and we'll be done. We don't walk in, a, in an opposite direction in a way that points the finger at them as the bad guy. Is that right? Because you know what? Until God pulled you off of that path and put you onto the straight and narrow, you were on that path as well. You have the attitude that is, but for grace, I was heading that same way. And so do we walk in an opposite direction? We do. But we, we bring light into darkness as we go. And your job is for your neighbor, for your family member to see, you know what, this guy, I see him walk with his fellow believers. He's kind, he's gentle. He gives them the benefit of the doubt. He does all this stuff. And you know what? He doesn't still walk the way I do. Every now and then, Kimberly and I, I promise this is it. Every now and then, Kimberly and I just think, maybe the best thing we could do as pastor and pastor's wife is just to freak out and go crazy. Go buy a bunch of beer and just go watch some terrible movie and, and just... And just see what people think then, you know, because maybe you haven't experienced this um, not being a pastor or pastor's wife, but they would love for us. Sometimes we feel like maybe maybe we're wrong. Uh, We feel like they would just love for us just to go crazy sometime, you know, and Kimberly said to me the other day, she said, maybe we should just do it. And then, you know, maybe then they'll listen. And I said, you know what? What's the shame is. The shame is, is that. The Holy Spirit still whispering to them. Their conscience still whispering to them. You know what would happen? It wouldn't turn out like we think. They would push back and say, that's hypocrisy. That's not true. Are they looking for real deal truth somewhere? They sure are. Do they like it all the time? When it's flashed in their eyes, they don't. But they're still searching for the truth. And you know what? We freaked out and we went that way. That's one more place where they don't find truth. They find hypocrisy. 
And now they've pinged over here against your life. And there's no solid rock. And they're still searching in the dark. That's not us. That's not us. Let's pray. Father, we walk with hope. And we have Jesus Christ as a sure foundation. And Lord, I feel, uh, I feel, Lord, as I sweat up here like a overweight 37-year-old, that I haven't made this text clear. Holy Spirit, would you, would you say what you want to say to the hearts of men, the hearts of women? Would you call us to walk in a manner that's worthy? We know we have to walk in a way that preserves the unity of this body, or we fail. We also know, Lord, we can't walk the way we used to. And the truth is, we didn't walk in here very consistent, probably. I know me, and they know them, and you know us all. You know our names as we sung earlier. You know us right down to our core. And there's a whole lot of places in our life where we don't walk in a pattern of righteousness and holiness. We don't walk according to the truth, as Paul would say. We don't walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Sometimes, Lord, we grab that old coat and we put it back on. Sometimes we're fooled into thinking it's the most comfortable and it's the most warm and it fits the best. But Lord, it's rags, it's filthy rags, and we toss it to the side. We renew our mind in truth, and that means we got to get in your word. We got to know what truth is. We got to spend time with you in prayer. We got to go back. We got to go back to your word. Back. Back to the solid rock. Ad fonte, Lord. We have to. We have to run back. Lord, we also, as Billy Graham once said, we got to run scared from our flesh. So, Lord, teach us. Teach us what it means to walk on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ, our anchor and our rock of ages. We pray these things in Jesus' name. For His glory. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.